Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In a digital universe where live streamers earn as much as $200,000 a month, can virtual relationships replace real-life connections? People's Republic of Desire tells the story of two such online stars who've risen from isolation to fame and fortune in China. The film takes us on a verite journey through the live streaming showrooms, which have become virtual gathering places for hundreds of millions, from the super-rich who lavish performers with digital gifts to poor migrant workers who worship them. The characters are brought together in a series of bizarre online idol competitions where they discover that happiness in their virtual world may be as elusive as the real one. And that is the story behind this remarkable documentary. I can't underscore that enough. The film is called People's Republic of Desire, and we're fortunate to have with us the director, and that would be how Wu. How welcome to film school. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, you're very welcome. Well, tell me what prompted you to make this documentary. Well, uh, you know what? Before you answer that question, maybe it's more uh, important to understand your your place in. Are you a Chinese citizen? How did you? How did this evolve? I guess this a better question is how did this project, People's Republic of Desire, how did it all come together? So um, the story will start uh, in 2014 when I went back to China uh, to research my new documentary project. I, I grew up in China. I came to the U.S. for grad school. I've been living here for close to 20 years. And in between, I went back to China and worked in the technology industry. I worked for companies like Yahoo China, Alibaba, and TripAdvisor in China. Um, but in 2012, I moved to New York to devote myself full-time to documentary filmmaking. So 2014, I finished my last film, The Road to Fame, then went back to China researching my new project. I, w I had like five or six projects in mind, but then while I was in China, I heard about this company called YY that's doing live streaming, and the live streamer makes us lot of money and the company was list, um, you know has been listed on Nasdaq since 2012 2013 so but strangely people in big cities in China back then even in Beijing or Shanghai had never heard about it i mean i knew very little about the company even though i had worked in china's internet industry for so long so that really intrigued me and uh uh, just FYI, FYI, that uh, live streaming really took off in 2016 uh, in a very mainstream fashion. Nowadays, everybody in China knows about live streaming. 60% um, of the Internet users have watched or live streamed themselves. So, so I was intrigued back in 2014. I wanted to investigate to find out what this niche phenomenon was all about. And then... As soon as I logged down, I saw all these crazy avatar graphics, digital gifts being thrown about. And then as I researched some more, I understood there were a lot of rich people and poor people in this, on the same platform, but worshiping the same stars, and they're spending 
so much money, and the live streamers back then were making between fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a month U.S. dollars. So I was shocked.、Uh, I find that really intriguing for two reasons. One is that it's technology, right, going almost like、uh, bizarre、uh, because it's. It, Because the live streaming ecosystem、uh, is so complicated.、Mm-hmm. Secondly, I was really re- intrigued because so many rich young people and poor young people they can play together. They feed off each other's desire for connection, for ego, or to you know wanting to meet their live streamers or connect with the live streamer idols. So th- for these two two reasons, I found that so fascinating. I started filming. Yeah, well, in here in the United States, it, as to draw somewhat of a contrast, there are lots and lots of people who are who use social media who have become kind of avatars of of a sort of, in an American context for people gravitating to what they are thinking about, what they're talking about, and be, have become successful as a result of that. They're making money off of it. I think they're called influencers, or they're like a Kim Kardashian or the Kardashian family, where they've Parlay that into wealth, but I. But watching People's Republic of Desire, it 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 feels different. It feels like it's more of a combination of、uh, maybe a、um, a Kardashian and American Idol. That's correct、uh, because the film, the one of the th-、uh, one of the through lines of the film is about this kind of crazy online idol competition where basically you win not by talent. But by how many votes you can attract, right? And each vote costs real money. So basically, how much money you can attract from your supporters to spend on you to buy your votes? Okay. So that that that's the American Idol aspect of of the film. Right. That this is important, and I th- I think it's important for our our listeners to kind of understand as you described sort of the ecosystem. So people going online initially, somebody like. Shimmen, her going online initially, she just went online to stream, but eventually she became part of a a company, an a, maybe explain, agency, an agency, right? So she was picked up essentially. She was sponsored by initially, it became sponsored by an agency, and that helped boost her popularity. Well, you are going to explain it better than I am. I'm so the live streamers in China, the the. The industry and also the relationship, the complex relationship、um, among the live streamers and also between them and, the, and their agents is kind of similar to real life showbiz.、Uh, in the in that you know every live streamer has to sign with an agency, and the agency takes about twenty percent cut of their income. So the agency bo- their agency bosses have the incentive to invest in them to boost their popularity, their income, so they can. Get a cut of their future income down the road. Okay, but they have to establish. They have to have established themselves as as non agency related streamers before someone will pay any attention to them. Right. That's correct.、Yeah. So usually the live streamers and the beginning. There are so many people who want to stream right now in China. Just as here, like. A lot of young people they want to become online celebrities, like the Instagram celebrities or the YouTubers, right? They think it's easy money. So a lot of people try them out, but then what they find out is that it's actually to attract following and to make money that way. So of the few 
who actually show some potential either because of their talent or because how the way they can interact and keep their fans or because their way their talent in creating controversies to attract attention online agency bosses bought them mm-hmm. and say okay these people are worth my investment i'm going to invest my money into them to boost their popularity right in the case of shen man and uh especially with big lee who's a he calls himself an online comedian they're they're provocative they they're uh, they're not politically provocative they're sort of personally provocative they it seems like uh they're saying things well they're trying to attract people to them to their personality with shen man uh she seems to be someone who is uh She's not overtly sexual, at least, but she se- there's a sexual component to her appeal. She's very cute. I guess in American lexicon, she would be considered a very cute. How would you, in, in sort of an American take on Shen Man and uh, Big Lee, how would you characterize them? So Shen Man, I think she's very flirty. She flirts yes. with her fans. Yes. And she tells all these uh, sexy innuendo jokes uh, that's really suggestive. Yes. That really fired up her fans' fascination with her. And also another appeal of Shaman is that she's very controversial on the platform. And there's always rumors about her sleeping with rich patrons in order to get the rich patrons to spend on her, to buy her expensive digital diamond rings, for example. Um, so these controversies feed into the poor fans' fascination uh, with her. Yeah. So they just want to come on to check out what what Shaman's all about. And she she's definitely a singer. She's an okay singer. She's yeah. not that great. She sings karaoke versions of uh, popular Chinese pop songs. And, uh, yeah, she's very flirty. Yeah. With Big Lee, Big Lee is very different. Big Lee came from a very poor background. He was a migrant worker himself. He had like an eighth grade education. He worked in internet cafes and restaurants as a security guard in a hotel. So she, he basically came from nothing. But then with live streaming, he can scream, he can tell dirty jokes, really dirty jokes. And uh, that appeals to his core fan base, uh, who are basically migrant workers coming into big cities from the countryside who know nobody in the big city, who are very alone. So every night they just get together and watch Bigly live stream, and they cheer for him because he's their idol. He's mm-hmm. made it. Right. He came from nothing. He's become. A, he's a multimillionaire now, and he still uh, swears constantly. So that's <laughs> very endearing to his fans. Okay. This again, these characters that you uh, showcase in this film, the people. I shouldn't say call them characters. They're people. Uh, it's just a fascinating look at at this world. And as you described it, it sort of just exploded onto the scene. And now I assume that some part of the reason that streaming became such a, a, a huge part of the culture has a lot to do with technology, infrastructure, as China has become more and more of a 21st century nation. It has been spending, I know from outside of this film, that it's been spending a tremendous amount of money on infrastructure. And and so this would make sense to me that that all of a sudden out of almost out of nowhere, you have this immense audience of people now plugged into the online world 
and an opportunity for people like Shen and for and for big and bigly to be able to become these enormously popular people. So I understand it's for me I understand that convergence but it's the embrace of the public that you show in the film sort of this as you show busloads of people moving through the city all of them with their phones obviously staring at their phones is quite a jarring image and although it's it's not completely unlike America it, it seems to be they seem to have embraced it in a way that we have not yet done is that a fair statement uh, I, w- I would say so, even though nowadays, when, whenever I take the New York subway, I look around, everybody's looking down at their phone. Yeah, uh, that's true. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously there's similarities and differences. Uh, let me talk about the similarity a little bit okay. first. Uh, for example, like recently I really started researching the YouTubers, right, the YouTube culture. The more I learn about it, the more I realize it's actually very similar to the live streaming culture in, in China. Because like for YouTubers, uh, some of the YouTubers, they have millions and millions of followers. What they do to attract attention, they create controversy, they do stupid stunts, uh, they, are very, they do very detailed, suggestive, you know, flirty jokes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very similar. And also, I mean, for me personally, I I still don't fully understand the appeal of live streaming or the YouTube uh, uh, culture in in the U.S. because generation myself and then but but then as in China here a lot of young people in the U.S. they worship their YouTube celebrities right they follow them yeah so I think a lot of time is because we uh, public people of our generation were not paying enough attention to what's happening in the uh, in the youth culture uh, it's it's actually it's already happening we're, we're, sometimes we're just not paying enough attention secondly but going back to the differences i do believe in china like you said uh, a lot of times the technology evolution are going more to the extreme as compared to here yeah. um like in china we have so many young people urbanization is happening at a very fast rate yes. so urban uh, urban alienation is a big problem in china and also we have uh, you know we have a lot of people migrating from the countryside to the to the cities they all contribute their need to go online to find connection i want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with how Wu, he is the director of a remarkable documentary. Trust me, you haven't seen anything quite like this. It's called People's Republic of Desire, and it will be opening here in Los Angeles at the Monica Film Center on November 30th. And uh, check it out. I don't know if you plan to be in Los Angeles for the opening, but I urge people to go see this film. Do you know if you'll be in town for that? Yes, uh, my plan is to be in town because we're opening on November 30th in New York as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be in town in, uh, uh, in Los Angeles on December 1st, Saturday. Uh, we've talked a lot about the subject. And, and by the way, just one observation on what you said about China. And, and this is one of the, probably the first time in recorded human history where in less than a generation a country has gone from an agrarian, more or less an agrarian society to a highly modern, technologically advanced country in less than a generation. The migration of people from the rural areas to the urban centers is the likes of which 
in by percentage, not not just the amount of people, but the percentage of people in the country is phenomenal. It is an, a, a remarkable note in the history of human kind that this has happened and is happening now still. So there, there's that part of it. And the, the, you're, you're, I think you're absolutely right to say that the people who have made this transition have come from culture, part of the culture that had virtually no technology to a now to a part of the culture where you cannot exist without it. And that is a, that is a significant change. And I don't know all of the ramifications of it in terms of Chinese society, Chinese politics, Chinese culture, but it's remarkable. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that, 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 that's quite true. I think China in many ways, sometimes I view China both as an old person was really stubborn, resisting change, but also as a young person, like a teenager, uh, always looking for the next new things, uh, getting hooked on the next new things. Uh, yeah, so this is this is why my documentary work has really focused on China. First of all, because I'm a Chinese national, I'm, I'm familiar with what's happening. But second, I just find it so fascinating. Uh, like you said, it's an old society changing into a young society. And there are so many conflicts and social issues uh, happening in that process that just really intrigued me. Yeah. And one last observation from, from me on this, and that is one of the reasons, and it's an understandable reason why so many young people, so many people in general, but so many young people have embraced the internet and online and streaming and all the rest of it, is because what we have found with the internet, it's a lot of research has been done to verify this, is that we we tend to gravitate to things that we like. Uh, in addition to that, we tend to gravitate to things that reinforce our notion of ourselves. And the Internet is one gigantic machine designed to reflect back to you what you think and to tell you, to validate, to tell you that you're right about yourself. That is, it's, it, the, the, that's what the Internet is for people who go online looking for things. Obviously, they're looking for things that they're interested in, and they tend to be drawn to things that reflect back to them what they already believe. I think you can see this in what your your film is about, about streaming and the impact of of that on on people. Do you agree with that? Yeah, basically I, I think I think the internet a lot of times I feel like the cur- current discussion we have about the good and bad of technology uh, tend to like blame the technology itself. But I think what I'm trying to convey uh, in this film in a very subtle way is that internet just magnify our desires yes. what, what what we're looking for i mean in this film um i i you know i never simplified the what people are looking for in live streaming into one or two uh, key points it's a you know whole spectrum of desires some are looking for connection some are looking to become rich and make money off live streaming some some just want to show off some are looking for easy hookup and uh and and then but underneath it all there's also the human um, drive for wealth right and money is a big thing in this film the technology are just trying to satisfy the desires when not being satisfied in real life yeah. and but because the the, the 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 unique nature of technology it, it amplifies that yeah. and and also the platform can tweak its algorithm can 
can change the rule of the game to 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 satisfy even better. In the process, the platform makes a lot more money. So, but I think yeah. that's just the nature of technology. We we all need to be aware of that. Right, and I totally agree with you. Again, we're speaking with. How Wu, he is the director of the film People's Republic of Desire. Well, in the last couple of minutes I have with you, I want to talk about the 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 film itself, sort of the the way that you shot this film feels like I'm I'm I feels like it, at times I am in a video game watching the people who are playing the video game. Um, I mean, tell me a little bit about sort of how would you describe the style that you use to for the People's Republic of Desire. I don't quite know how to uh, sort of summarize this uh, style of filmmaking in can, this film. Can I can I suggest I, I, can I suggest a word? The word for me was it's an immersive experience. I feel immersed oh, yeah, in the yeah. film in in this whole yeah. world that you you brought me into. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So for this film, I basically create a uh, environment where audience can really immerse in this technology uh, in how live streaming works this whole ecosystem i use a lot of 3d animation and special effects to create to 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 allow that also to create a sense this is almost like a sci-fi story yes except it's actually happening in real life right now right i felt that way watching it i felt like it, there were times when you could have pulled the rug on me in watching this movie and said, this is all fake. Or, but I, I mean, it, it, I knew it wasn't. I'm watching this, and again, I, I, the, I watched it twice because I felt like I wasn't sure what I was watching the first time through until it becomes much clearer upon a, you, when you watch it for a second time. But, I mean, I got it the first time I watched it. I understood what was happening but I didn't appreciate it the way I did but when I saw it the second time. So if you see this movie, trust me, if you feel like, I need to see that again, I don't think you're going to be alone because <laughs> that, that was. I think that's a sense. You get it the first time, but the second time you really understand so much more of what the film is tr- is about. I think that's a compliment. Trust me, I'm, I'm saying that as a <laughs> compliment. You. Yeah, that, that's also why the film took two years to edit because we have the human story, right? Yeah. In, in this film, I also have the story about the platform. It's like peeling the onion. What is at the core of this ecosystem, this virtual universe? Uh, is there a big wizard? There's always a wizard behind the wizard. <laughs> so, so I think I think that's what that's what that's my intention with this film is that to guide viewers on a journey to 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 for discovery to discover both the characters and this virtual space that humans have created yeah well it's a wonderful documentary and again i just i think for people who love documentaries i'm sure there's going to be some um back and forth about it there's i'm sure some controversy around it i do understand why but at the same time i i embrace it I've embraced this film, and I think it's an important film for a lot of different reasons. The subject matter, the technique, the questions that are being asked here, there's a lot going on. And I, my, my hat's off to you. This is a really terrific film that you've put together, and I think it, it really bears a lot of people paying attention to what it, what it is and what it's about. Thank you so much, Mike. Coming from here, that's a great compliment. Thanks. You're, you're very welcome. And I also want to point out a couple of uh, filmmakers that were involved in some way. I know as a, 
Uh, you had Nanfu Wang on as a consulting editor. She's done terrific work in the documentary world. And then Allison Clayman, also another documentary filmmaker, terrific documentary filmmaker. Uh, I'm so glad that you were able to pull those people in because uh, they, I mean, they, it's it's certainly helped, I think, probably shape the film in a way that has it, it so that it has the impact. That it, 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 yes, absolutely. I, yeah, with any documentary film, you you need a team of people to really help you to guide you in shaping the story. Yes. Well, congratulations for a bold, brave, remarkable uh, film that will undoubtedly generate an awful lot of conversation along the way. Yeah. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing LA audiences uh, on December first. Very good. Yes, December first. In Los Angeles at the Monica Film Center in Santa Monica, December 1st. That's a Saturday. Please check this out. And uh, uh, thank you, Hao so much for being a part of film school today. Glad to be here. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.